Good morning, church. Welcome to Prestonwood. Happy Easter. We're so glad that you're here. There's still lots of people coming in from outside, and we expect a full house this morning. So as you see people come in that, down the aisle, if you have room next to you, go ahead and invite them in next to you. As people continue to come in, we want to make sure, you may not know, but thousands of people every single week watch us online, not just across our state and our city, but across the country and across the world. We know that there are folks all over the world today who have invited friends and family into their home to experience Easter with us. Thank you so much and welcome into worship today. We also know that there are many of you here today, this is your very first time in this room here at Prestonwood. Um, just out of curiosity, if you're brave enough, if this is your very first time here at Prestonwood, would you raise your hand? Awesome. And if you've been going here for a while, if someone around you raised their hand, make sure you introduce yourself to them today and make them feel welcome. We are so glad that you're here. Hey, we have been praying for this day for a long time. Our pastor has an incredible word for you this morning that he has prepared. He's been praying for you as well. We're going to uh, hear about the story of Jesus, the resurrection. This is what we celebrate today. Before that, we're going to worship together. But before we do anything else today, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, it is so good to be in your presence. It's so good to be in your house. We're thankful that you loved us enough to send your son to lower himself to that of a man, live a perfect life, die on the cross for our sins, be buried and raised again three days later to ascend to your right hand just so you can spend eternity with us. That's how much you love us. So this morning we come and we bring ourselves. It's the only offering we have. We come with open, open hearts, open hands, and we give everything back to you. We love you. We pray all of these things in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. The story of the universe unfolding all around us is awe-inspiring and beautiful, mysterious and otherworldly. An uncountable sea of stars burn across our galaxy, and there are hundreds of billions of galaxies still. We cannot find the end of it all. Planets fill our solar system, whirling around the flaming sun, and all of it perfectly balanced for life here on Earth the only place in the universe we could possibly exist. Oxygen for our lungs, sources of food, mountains and plains, deserts and rivers, oceans and forests, all teeming with living creatures, beautiful and terrifying. And yet deep inside every human heart, there is a longing to know who started all of this. How will it end? We want to know the one who created it all. We want to know the story of God. God, the author of the universe and life itself, the one who is writing the story of all things, wrote himself into the plot. He not only stands above the story of us, he actually entered the story. He lowered himself down into the pages of history to become one of us. He came as Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God and man, the one who came to walk with us, serve us, 
suffer with us and share our tears. He set it up from the beginning. He knew what would display his heart. But there had to be justice. There had to be payment for humanity's sin. So he paid the price. He died for us, and no one took his life. He laid it down. The Creator came to rescue his creation. What kind of God is this? Why would he do that? What for? For love. All for love. You see, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. He wrote himself into the story of humanity to redeem, restore, and renew everything. All the brokenness, all the tragedy, all the hate, all the sorrow and pain of this life is being rolled back. What kind of God is this? He is love. Pure, perfect love. This is our God. Stand with us in worship. This is the God who worship, risen King. Remember. Remember those walls that we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But He came and He died and He rose. Those walls are rubble now. Those giants we call death and grave They were like mountains that stood in our way But he came and he died and he rose Those giants are dead now This is, this is our God, this is who he is He loves us, this is our God what he does, he saves us. Born the cross, feed the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God, King Jesus. Yeah. Remember that fear that took our breath away. Faith so weak that we could Every word, every whisper. Now those altars in the wilderness tell the story of his faithfulness. Never once did he fail, then he never weep. This is our God, this is who he is. 
Some worship a God that is just a distant idea or maybe a universal force. Some worship thousands of gods with no face, no name, no connection, and no power. Some may worship a human who walked the earth but still lies in a grave. Our testimony is different. We have hope. We are witnesses to his goodness and the story of what we know to be true. Jesus is alive. You see, hope is the confident expectation and desire of the good in our future. He is our future. He is our hope. Death comes to us all, but it does not have the final word. Jesus entered into death and destroyed it so we could have life. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, death is not an end. It's a passage. The other side is life forever with the one who loves us. So what's got you fearful? What's got you worried? Not even death itself can separate us from our hope. In the world.
know how the story ends. Jesus reigns in victory forever and we will be with him. No more sorrow, suffering, or pain. Everything sad will come untrue. The resurrection not only gives us victory in the life to come, but in the life we live now. And on the third day, when hope seemed dead, buried, and gone, an earth-shaking whisper pierced the cosmos from the Father to the Son. Arise, my love. Arise. Because Jesus rose, all who believe in him, we will rise too. We will rise above the sin, rise above the hate, rise above the darkness. From death to life, rise.
Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. I know as you entered the room today, many greeted you with the words, Happy Easter. And it is that happy Easter, that joyous day that we celebrate today. That is my subject from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 11, the words of Jesus. When he said, these words I have spoken unto you, that my joy will remain in you, and that your joy would be complete. We find everything we need in life in an empty tomb. Jesus came out of the grave, and because Christ lives, we live not only life forever, but fully now, alive in Christ. It's the empty tomb that changes everything. I heard about a group of uh, Sunday school boys and girls. They were challenged by their teachers to take an empty egg, a plastic egg home, and to come back on Easter Sunday with something in the egg to symbolize Easter that spoke of Easter. And so they all did it. They took their plastic eggs and they brought them on Easter Sunday. And the first one, a little girl, Susie, they opened her egg and there was a flower there. And the teacher said, yes, Easter is about new life, life in Christ. And then they opened little Billy's uh, egg and when they opened it up, uh, there was a picture that he had drawn in crayon of Jesus. And so the teacher said, yes, absolutely. Easter is all about Jesus. And then another one, a little girl had an egg and inside they opened it up and there was a cross. And the teacher said, yes, Jesus died on the cross to forgive us our sins. And another of the little boys opened up his little egg and there was uh, not, not a cross, but a pebble, a little pebble, a little rock. And the teacher said, that's beautiful. Because on Easter, the stone was rolled away. The last little boy brought his egg, and this child, his name was Brian, was a special needs child. But when they opened his, his little egg, they, they found nothing inside of it. And the children began to laugh just a little bit, to, to snicker just a little bit. And Brian said, oh, no, oh, no. They said, the egg is empty because the tomb is empty. <laughs> Brian got it exactly right. And because the tomb is empty, we find everything that we need in life. This is the day of days. It's the day that we celebrate. We join millions of Christians from generation to generation to generation to generation and generations beyond us with this testimony that Christ is alive, that Jesus lives it is the day of days. It is the foundation of our faith, this empty tomb, this glorious resurrection. The foundation of our faith. It is the nexus of life. It is the core of the Christian faith. It is the day of all days. This is why we say, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it every single day because we know this Easter joy is an endless joy. And that's what we're going to talk about today, April 9th, 2023. There's some evidence that this is the day that on April the 9th, A.D. approximately 30, Jesus came out of the grave. But whatever the date, we know it happened, and we believe that it happened according to the Scriptures. And this is the good news of Jesus, that 
Christ died and was buried, and on the third day He came out of the grave. He arose victoriously, physically, visibly. Jesus came out of the grave. And because Christ and, uh, came out of the grave and the tomb is empty, we now have not a hopeless end, but an endless hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us outrageous, infectious joy. It, it, it ought to be conspicuous. It ought to be continual. It ought to be constant in our lives, contagious, conspicuous, continual, outrageous, infectious, joy, true happiness. Is this the life that you're living? We live in a mad, mad world. We also live in a sad, sad world. And so many are sad and depressed. And the Lord prompted me on this day, Easter of 2023, to speak of this joy, this celebration. Have you allowed the malaise and the melancholy, the sadness and even the hostility and the anger and the cynicism and the skepticism to seep into your soul in these days? Or are you living in this joy that Jesus gives, in this resurrection joy, this joy that comes from the Lord? We have life with a capital L. We have an abundant life to live, and we have a love that's worth sharing. Life is a journey, and our journey is with Jesus, and the journey leads home. And who can mind the journey if the journey leads home? And we're walking with Jesus, because Jesus is our Savior. The Apostle Paul came near to the end of his ministry and the mission that he had on earth. And he said, I don't care about my life. This is in Acts chapter 20. He said, I, I really don't count my life as dear to myself. He said, the only thing that matters to me and that I would finish my course with joy. Finishing with joy. Finishing with a flourish. And that's my prayer. As I've been trekking with the Lord and serving Christ all these years, and I trust if Christ tarries many more years, but my, my, my goal is to finish with joy and to finish the ministry and the calling of God for every life with joy is His, is His calling upon us. So how do we do this? How do we have this kind of joy? Again, what did Jesus say? He said, my joy I give to you. Well, clearly, Jesus was a man of joy. It's in the upper room when Jesus gives us these words, and it's dark and foreboding. Judas, the betrayer, has left the room to go about his dastardly deed of betraying the Lord. The disciples are fearful. It's dark, not only, not only physically dark in that upper room that night before Jesus died, but there is this foreboding, the shadows, the room was dark. And yet Jesus is celebrating the Last Supper, the last Passover, which translates to the Lord's Supper. He is celebrating this feast of the Jews, the Passover. And he's breaking bread. He's drinking the cup. And he's enjoying his, the company dinner with his disciples for the last time. So even in the midst of this great, grievous sorrow, Jesus is spreading joy. He's splashing joy around the room. 
Jesus, it might surprise you to know, though he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs, grief, he bore not only our sins at the cross, but our sorrows and our sufferings. He took all of that to the cross. But Jesus, the man of sorrows, was also a man of joy, a joyous Jesus. And some of you think of religious Jesus, someone who walked right out of a stained glass window, the pale, sanctimonious, somber Jesus. But when I read my Bible and see through the lens of Scripture, I see a joyous Jesus. I see a Jesus who loved people and welcomed people into his presence. And everyone who met him was compelled by the presence of his magnetic personality, by his charismatic, vibrant presence, to the degree that little children loved Jesus. He said, let the little children come to me. Women adored and worshiped the Lord Jesus. Grown men in the middle of their careers dropped their nets, left everything behind with the compelling call to follow Jesus. Common people liked Jesus. They liked him a lot. Crowds multiplied and people gathered wherever he went. Great crowds. He, he welcomed everyone. Scholars were taken back by Jesus. Even when he was just a boy in the temple, 12 years of age, these scholars were amazed at this young man. And now Jesus, the man of joy, is confounding them again. And then sinners, sinners loved Jesus. When Matthew, a tax collector, was converted, he had a big party and he invited all of his, his friends they even called Jesus, his enemies called Jesus, a, a wine-bibber and a, and a glutton. He was not. But because he hung around sinful people and because sinful people loved Jesus, welcomed him, he was the life of the party. In fact, his first miracle, the first miracle of Jesus was at a wedding. Jesus was welcomed at the wedding. And he entered into all the joys and the happiness of that first century couple and blessed their lives with his presence. And that's where he transformed water into wine. That was simply a miracle of refreshment. It was a miracle of joy. It's the joy that Jesus gives. Everywhere Jesus went, joy followed. Everywhere he went, there was true happiness. When the lame began to walk, when the blind began to see, when the deaf began to hear, there was incredible joy. The night of his birth, let's just even go back to that. The angels say, good tidings of what? Great joy. The birth of Jesus was a great celebration in all of heaven. Wherever he went, when he taught these magnificent stories, often filled with humor, Yes, Jesus told jokes. Did you know that? When you read the story of Jesus and the stories that he told, and this summer we're going to be dealing with the parables of Jesus in our series, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. And, and he would say things like a camel passing through the eye of a needle. Now, that may not sound funny to you, but 
to a first century crowd who saw the impossibility of a camel going through the eye of Anita, the needle, this was a, a knee-slapping joke, if you will. If, and and his, his, his stories are filled with warmth and wisdom and, and, and winsomeness, and people enjoyed hearing him talk. You would have liked being around Jesus. A friend. In fact, in this same upper room, same chapter 15 of John, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, I call you my friends. Friends. When I first began to preach the gospel, I was just 15 years of age, just a boy. And I was asked to do a youth rally in, East, uh, in actually southeast Fort Worth. What do you preach for your first sermon? John chapter 15 was my text. I no longer call you slaves or servants, but I call you my friends. You know why? I chose that. Because I was just amazed. I was astounded as a, as a boy, as an adolescent just growing up, coming through my Sunday school years, and I think God for those, and, and coming up in church, but now as a young teenager, I'm making my choices and decisions in life, how to live my life, and, and I was just overcome by the idea that I could call Jesus friend, that Jesus calls me friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. And I preached that sermon so long ago, and I thought about it, here I am all these years later, and I'm preaching the same sermon that Jesus is a friend, that he's a joyous Savior, that we can have a relationship with him that brings us love. He brought in the upper room gifts of love. He said, love one another as I have loved you. He said, I give you peace, not as the world gives to you. I give you love, I give you peace, and I give you this joy. What could be better in life than love, the love of Jesus, peace, the peace that he provides, the promise that he gives, and joy, the joy that Jesus gives, this true happiness. Do you have it? Do you have this joy of Jesus? Because to have Jesus is to have his joy. We are in Jesus. We are in Christ. Therefore, we are in joy. Just a fun fact, the early logo of Prestonwood when Prestonwood just began as a church and began advertising and putting this logo everywhere was the word enjoy. Amen. Not E-N-J-O-Y, that's one word, but I-N-J-O-Y. Because our enjoy is the enjoy of Jesus. It is being in Christ. And because Christ is alive in us, we have his joy. It's the joy of the resurrection morning. When the women saw that the tomb was empty, they went running, the Bible says, with joy. Can you imagine? And then when they got to the disciples and gave the report, and the Lord, they ended up meeting the risen Christ, these disciples who had been so sad, so despondent, they see Jesus, and the Bible puts it this way, when they saw Jesus, they were glad. Now, that sounds like the greatest understatement of all time, doesn't it? I mean, just glad, is that it? Well, the word gladness is a great word. It means to rejoice. It means to celebrate. I mean, they were really, 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 really glad when they saw Jesus. 
and they celebrated. And this is why we celebrate. This is why we sing. Even on the night that he was betrayed before Gethsemane and pouring out sweating drops of blood in the garden on his way to the cross, the Scripture says when they said goodbye at the Last Supper, they sang a hymn and went out into the night. Can you imagine? A singing Savior, joyous Jesus. Laughing at the grave, in effect, because he knew the end of the story yet to come. And now so do we. We do know the end of the story, don't we? And the end of the story is that Christ lives and we will live also. He is the resurrection and the life. Therefore, rejoice. So that is, that is the... Uh, this, the source of our joy, joy. Jesus is the source of our Easter joy, our endless joy. But there's another thing that I want you to see, and that is that Jesus, He is the strength, He is the sustainer, He is the one who gives us steadfast joy, not only the source of Easter joy, but because Christ lived, we can speak of the seasons of Easter joy joy. And I use the word seasons because our Savior, He's the Christ for all seasons, and His joy is for every season and every stage and every age of life. It's the joy of a child, but it's also the happiness and the joy that an older man or an older woman can experience. Not a life filled with regrets and remorse looking back, but a life filled with joy looking forward in Christ. Benjamin Disraeli was a well-known statesman. He was given the applause of men. He had great power in England. But it was Disraeli who once said, youth, a mistake, a regret, manhood, a struggle, old age, a regret. Youth, a mistake. Manhood, a struggle. Old age, a regret. That's no way to live. In Jesus, whether it is in the flower of life, the youthfulness of our days, those days of midlife, of raising a family, those old age, grandchildren looking on to the other side, there is a joy that is sustainable. Why? Because our joy is not in our circumstances. It's not in whether we have a good day or a bad day. It's not whether we're sick or whether we're well. It is not as whether we're wealthy or whether we are poor. Our joy, our true happiness is all that we have in Jesus. Amen. He gives us this joy. No wonder the Apostle Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. He said it twice. He doubled downs on it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He would later say rejoice evermore. That's Easter joy. That's endless joy. Because our joy is not in external things, but internal, th uh, internal things and eternal things, supernal things, things that come from heaven. It was the apostle Peter who said in times of fiery trial for Christians and in his own life, he said we rejoice greatly. And then he said, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
joy that is inexpressible and yet uncontainable, joy that is without words. Have you ever felt such joy that you were speechless, just overwhelmed with such outrageous joy? That's what we have in Christ. It doesn't mean we don't have tough times and tribulations, but James, the half-brother of our Lord, one of the great evidences of the resurrection is that Jesus' own brother, half-brother, believed in Christ, having been an unbeliever until after the resurrection when Jesus and James met up. But it was James who would later write, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, whether it is a small irritation or a great tribulation, count it all joy because this tribulation will work character and ultimately hope in your life. Count it all joy. So this is a time to celebrate. It's also a time to calibrate our joy in Jesus. You know, don't you, that we choose joy. We make a choice to rejoice every single day. You also know that, that happiness is healthy for a merry heart does good like a medicine. It's medicine for the soul, for a troubled heart, for a troubled mind. And it is this joy that is our strength. Nehemiah, in building the walls of Jerusalem, faced many challenges, and, and there was so much to overcome. And yet, he said in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's why the devil wants to steal your joy. Because if he can steal your joy, he can steal your strength. Don't let anything, anyone rob you of your joy in Jesus. Jesus said, my joy I give to you. He said, contain it and then live it out. It's the length of our lives, but it's the depth of our lives that we have in the resurrection. Do you have this joy in Jesus? Psalm 16 and verse 11 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Look, the pleasures and the treasures of this world may bring lasting, fleeting entertainment or joy or happiness, but it doesn't last. It just doesn't last. That's why Jesus said, what if a person gains the whole world and loses their own soul? It's the joy of Jesus that lasts. This Jesus so full of himself, the joy of God. Our God is a happy God. In fact, there's a great old confession of faith called the Westminster Confession of Faith that the church has repeated for many, many years. It says, what is the purpose of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in Him and all your desires, your true needs in life will 
be met. And all this joy is because of the resurrection. Jesus was a joyous and is a joyous Savior. Hebrews chapter 1 quotes the Messiah. And our Lord said, you have anointed me with the oil of gladness beyond my companions. That doesn't sound like a pale sanctimonious recluse. He said, you have anointed me. The Spirit of God is upon me, upon me with the oil of gladness. And that word gladness there could be translated the oil of leaping. Like that man who was saved at the gate beautiful who went away leaping and dancing and praising God. That's the joy of Jesus. But here we have the oil of gladness, Jesus said. This is the leaping Lord. This is jumping Jesus. You have anointed me with the oil of gladness more than all of my companions. This is the Jesus that I'm praying that you will know and follow all the days of your life. Now, you know, it's, it's possible to lose your joy. It is. You can't lose your salvation if you are truly saved. But you can lose the joy of your salvation. Peter, who was a saved man, a believer, he denied the Lord. And the Bible says he went out in grief and he wept bitterly. He was a conflicted man. He was a broken man because of his sin. Sin will separate us from fellowship with God and make you miserable in life. It was David, the great king, a man after God's own heart, who sinned against God. And when he repented, what did he pray? He said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You can be a miserable Christian. You can be an unhappy Christian. If you're living with unrepented of, unconfessed sin in your life, sin will rob you of your joy. But the good news is that God loves you and he died for your sins and you can, you can restore that fellowship and with the restoration, and some of you, this needs to happen in your life today. You need to pray like David, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And when you do, the joy will come back. It's the joy of knowing that your, friend, your sins are forgiven, isn't it? Jesus said, rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. Rejoice that your sins are forgiven. It's like the great old song, oh, happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Oh, happy day. Happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. This is all because the tomb is empty. This is, this is Easter joy, therefore it is endless joy. And here's one final point I want to make this morning, and that is this, this Easter joy, which is endless joy, not only the source of it, my joy, Jesus said, I give to you, not only the course of it or the flow of it or the freshness of it every day, just the sufficiency of it in our lives, but the secret of it. What did he say? In 1511 of John, he said, I've spoken these things to you. All these things, what things? All said in his life and here specifically in the upper room, all these promises. He said, I've given you the Holy Spirit. 
You have God's Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. He said, I've spoken these things to you. God's Word. When I listen to the Lord, when I allow Him to speak to me through His Word, the Scriptures bring rejoicing to the heart, celebration to the life. It is the Word of God. These things I have spoken to you that your joy my joy would remain in you and that your joy would be full. This is the fullness of joy. This is the joy that is running over. This is the joy we have as Christians. It's the joy that we should have as a church. Those early believers and followers of Jesus, they were spilled out and overflowing into the community with the power of the resurrection, with the joy of Jesus on their lips, their winsome witness. It, it says in Acts 2, which we have a, a photo, if you will, of the church in action, and it says, they ate their meat with gladness, and they went everywhere preaching the gospel. This message is a message of joy, and God has called us to have a contagious winsome witness for the gospel. And when we have this joy in our heart, people want to know, what is it? What is it about you? Why do you stand out? Why do you have joy? Even when you're in tears, even when there's great loss, because you can say with Jesus in John 16, the later chapter, he turns sorrow into joy. There is, there is sorrow that endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And we know that we have joy because heaven is our home. We live with a happy hope. It is the blessed hope that Christ is coming again. And there's going to be such joy when we rise to meet him. We will be in his presence. And in heaven, it will be pure joy forever and ever and ever. This endless, eternal joy that we have in Christ. Easter joy is endless joy. And so you might even say it's Easter every day because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know this joy? Do you know this Jesus? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me in prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And we're going to pray. And I'm going to invite you, as we always do, to know and follow Jesus. Because the fact is that many do not know Christ. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You don't know him as a friend and brother. You don't know him as Savior and Lord of your life. But today's the day. It's the day marked on God's calendar with your name on it. And I'm going to invite you where you are right now to join me in a prayer. And here's how we're going to do this today, the invitation. In the balcony all the way to the top, all across the lower levels, thousands of people in this room, many, many more watching online wherever you are looking at a screen right now, that if you would invite Christ into your life, be a part of this prayer. I want to simply ask you where you are without standing, without moving, just say, Pastor, Jack, I want to know Jesus like you talked about. I want to know this Jesus. I want to know a Savior like this. I've had a religious Jesus or a church Jesus or no Jesus, but I want Jesus to come into my life. I'm empty, 
You know, the only thing that needs to be empty this morning is the tomb. You don't need to live empty. You can have God in you, Christ in you, by simply inviting Him to be your Savior and Lord. And if you would like for me to include you in this prayer, would you just hold up your hand right now? Pastor, pray for me. Thank you. Just hold it up high and keep it up where I can see for just a moment. Hold it up high. I want to invite Jesus into my life. I want to be a part of this prayer in the balcony all across the room. And if you're lifting a hand, would you do one more thing? Would you, would you just stand up right now? Would you be so bold and believing as to stand up right now all over this room to say, I want to receive Christ as my Savior? Yes, yes, yes. More. Don't, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this miracle in your life in the balcony online. What you need to do is just text 74788, that's the number, and text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. But in this room, I believe there's more who want to stand, who will stand. The Spirit of God has brought you to this place. You're not here by chance or circumstance or accident. You want Jesus in your life. You're tired of living down and out and depressed not knowing where you're spending eternity, not knowing whether or not your sins are forgiven. You're living with so many regrets and fears and failures. Make that all past tense today by standing and being a part of this salvation prayer. Would you do that? One more, second or two. Now, those of you who are standing, God bless you. God bless you. And we say here at Prestonwood, no one stands alone. So I'm going to ask all of us to stand with these who are standing right now. Join them in standing and around them in this prayer. Pray in your heart and out loud if you choose this prayer. Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, that you are alive. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And then, it, and then it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So call on his name. Just pray and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. The living Lord stands at the door of your heart and knocks. He said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come in into your empty life and we're going to have fellowship. We'll sit down and we'll enjoy a meal together and life together. So just pray, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for my salvation. For some of you, this is, a, this is also a big moment because you haven't been living for the Lord. And you're not happy living the way you're living. If you're a Christian, maybe the most unhappy people on the wor in the world are unhappy Christians. Why don't you return to the Lord today? like Simon Peter, and be restored. To say, Lord, I'm so sorry for the way that I've been living my life without you. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And he will do it. He will do it. Lord, how we thank you that our names are written down, that we rejoice that our names are recorded and written in heaven, that our sins are forgiven our lives are changed, and there is joy for this journey all the way because of you, Jesus. May we live for you now in the power of your Holy Spirit until you come and take us home. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for worship at Prestonwood. 
As you heard earlier, if you made a decision for Christ, please text JESUS to 74788. We would love to connect with you and give you these great resources to help you grow in your faith. One is a New Believer's Bible with helpful notes to help you study God's Word. The other is a book by Pastor Jack Graham on the next steps to take as you pursue this new life in Christ. As we close, I'd like to thank you for your faithful giving to support Prestonwood and the work God is doing through our ministries. If you would like to give, text the word GIVE to 74788 or visit prestonwood.org give. It's been a joy worshiping with you, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.